Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Everyone joining us online, a special hello to you as you've joined us today. And I want to say thanks for being here today in person, those who are able to be. Uh, we miss our church family all coming together. And as Angel said, we're uh, adding one service on Easter so that we can we can do our best to make some room for some more people and believing that in the days ahead, our capacity will expand and we will be moving into a, a greater season of connectivity. Uh, but I'm just so thankful for each one of you staying connected. And as we are doing our best in this season to continue to stay connected with, with each one of you. And I know that there are uh, many needs and we just pray, but let me just pray one more time before we jump into, um, the word together this morning. Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful church family, First Assembly. And God, all those who would be joining today online, whoever they are, God, I thank you that you see into the heart of each one of us. And God, I thank you that what you desire for us is good. Lord, your purposes are good for our families. Lord, for our life, for our health, for our well-being. God, you desire that we would experience life and life more abundantly because of Jesus. So Lord, today we just turn to you at this time. We ask you to anoint this time together that your word would become revelation to us, that your word would transform us. God, as we go to your word, it's not just information or or something to inspire us, although we may be inspired. But Lord, our prayer today is that you would transform us. God, as we meet together in these moments, in your word and in your presence, Father, we love you and we thank you for your hand upon our church and each family and each individual represented today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And the church said amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, worship team. Excited to, uh, yeah. I'm excited to get into the Word, and we're going to worship uh, not too long from now, so don't run away too too far. Uh, we're going to worship at the end of the message today. If you have a Bible, Philippians chapter 4, it's where we're going to be going together this morning. We're in a series, Joy for the Journey, and we've been looking at how do we find joy for this journey that we're in, especially this season, this last year has been a year where there are all kinds of things that would challenge our joy, but we are reminding ourselves that we can find joy no matter what the circumstance. We're looking at this New Testament letter, Philippians, that was penned by the Apostle Paul from a prison cell. So at chapter 4, starting from verse 4 today, we read, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And this is how you know the Apostle Paul was a preacher, because he got people to repeat things. All right, so... Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, I want you to see this. The Lord is near. And then he says right after that, do not then be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart's and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I want to share a message with you this morning that I've entitled, How to Replace Worry with Joy. 
How do I replace that feeling of worry and anxiety and stress and fear with the joy of the Lord? How does this actually work? Well, let me tell you about a story I heard about. There's an old farmer and he lived in a small town, Northern Alberta. And he was kind of known as the town worrier. He was always depressed, always grumpy. And he would go into the co-op every, every week and sit at the same place with the same farmers and everybody else would talk about their crops, but he was very negative and and he would always talk about everything he was concerned about and everything he would worry, worried about the government, worried about the weather, worried, and he would worry, worry, worry. One day, this old farmer came in, he sat down, and we walked, when he walked in, everybody noticed he was smiling. I thought, this is interesting. He sits down, he's talking to everybody, all friendly, so carefree, he almost had a skip in his step. So the old farmers asked him, they said, well, what's going on with you? You're the town worrier. You're always worried about everything. Today, you're happy. Like, what, what took place? He said, oh, well, he said, I found a guy uh, that would worry for me. So I hired him. And they thought, well, that, that's an interesting idea. And they said, well, how much do you pay a guy to worry for you? Like, how does that even work? He said, well, $200,000 a month. They thought, wow, well, you're, I guess you're doing pretty good with farming, but that's pretty steep. How, how do you how do you afford to pay a guy like that $200,000 a month? He says, well, I don't know. That's for him to worry about. So <laughs> obviously that's probably not a true story, but it reminds us when we worry, when we, when we get stressed out, when there's, when there's a sense of anxiety, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just put that worry somewhere we could just cast it over to somebody else to worry about? Well, the good news is is that as we are followers of Jesus, essentially, this is what he has called us to do, to cast all of our cares and our burdens upon him. One thing about this last year, this last season that we have been living through, worry and anxiety has just grown to a heightened level in our culture. The Calgary Sun had an article recently talked about how half, half the, of the Canadians uh, half of Canadians have suffered at some level of mental health over this last year in some way or another. And the Angus Reid Institute did a survey based on this article and said that over half of the Canadians surveyed were feeling anxious, depressed. Some were content, but many were, said they were bored and content. And it noted that just 6% of Canadians were happy. Over this last season, they've lost their joy. People have lost their, their sense of joy. And so the problem is when we worry and when we allow anxiety to remain in our minds and in our hearts and in our thinking, anxiety and worry become a thief of joy. Steals our confidence, steals our peace, or steals our joy if we allow it to take over. Charles Spurgeon said something similar to this. He said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its problems, but worry empties today of its joy. Isn't that true? And it reminds me of the words that Jesus taught, where he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough concerns of its own. And who can add a single day to his life by worrying? In other words, don't let today's worries rob you of today's joys and today's peace. Because if your heart and your head is in the future and you're worried and you're thinking about all the things that could happen and, and have you ever got into a cycle of worry where now you think, well, I'm a follower of Jesus and 
Jesus told me not to worry, but now I'm worried that I might be worrying about some things that I'm worrying about. Have you ever kind of got into that? And now you're overthinking and your mind is racing. You're like, well, I don't want to worry, but these problems keep coming up and I keep thinking about them. And maybe some of you are maybe even waking up in the middle of the night and the first thing that comes to your mind is the thing that is at the forefront of your mind and you're worrying about it, you're thinking about it. And then it spirals and it goes over and over and over. It steals our peace. It steals our confidence. Worry is a robber of joy. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe there's some things that you came to church or you're watching online and you're thinking about and you're worried about and your mind is, is occupied or preoccupied with all kinds of situations that you cannot control and that you cannot handle. You don't know which way it's going to turn out. Maybe you're worried about your parents or your grandparents because you haven't seen them for a while. Maybe they are in a nursing home or there's been distance for some reason because of the pandemic or maybe other reasons. Maybe there are some things that you're worried about. You're worried for your kids. What kind of world are your kids moving into? You know, just over a year ago, 14 months ago, the world was in a different place and now the world has changed. And what does this mean for the future, for the economy? What does this mean? How do we, how do we do this? How do we approach this new time globally? What does it mean? Is, is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? And we think about these things. And what about our grandkids? Some people with grandchildren. What, what about them? What about their future? What about education? Is it going to look differently? What about pandemics? What about disease? What about all these things? And everybody seems worried and, and there's variants and there's all kinds of potential things that could take place. And now, you know, China might be mad at us again. And there's all kinds of things that we could worry about. It could preoccupy our mind, but it will rob us of our joy. But the good news is that we can replace our worry for the joy of the Lord. The Apostle Paul, he's giving his final words in chapter 4 to the ancient city, the ancient church that is in the city of Philippi, Roman colony, and he's sharing his love. He says, you're my joy and you're my crown. And he's settling some things that are happening in the church. But as he encourages them, he is encouraging them not to worry, not to be anxious, but to be joyful. He's saying, you can be joyful. Don't be anxious. Even though Paul himself had reason to be anxious or worried because he might've been worried about his own future, his own destination. He didn't know if he was going to live or die in that Roman prison as he was in chains, as he wrote this letter. And they were dark days and they were dark days, no doubt for the church in Philippi, because there was persecution. There was danger there. there, These were dangerous days. These were days full of, of persecution and fear. And, And it wasn't that popular to be a follower of Christ in this Roman colony, very similar to Perhaps the culture that we live in today, there were many misunderstandings and misrepresentations of what it really meant to walk with Jesus and know Jesus. And so there was opposition and there was spiritual warfare. There were all kinds of things. And we know from Acts where the the slave girl who was full of uh, demon oppression and power and demon control, that 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 kind of reared its head in that culture. And so there was spiritual warfare. But Paul's saying, no matter what is coming against you, I'm encouraging you. You can be joyful. You don't have to be anxious. Well, how does, how does this happen? Well, what is he talking about? It's easier said maybe than done. Sometimes when we read over this passage of scripture and maybe some of us even have it memorized, this is a very famous 
portion of scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. I mean, many of us have this memorized, or we've read it before, and we've, we've read through it. But this morning, just for a few moments, I want us to slow down, and I want us to look closely at what the Apostle Paul was saying here. Because I believe that we might sometimes just read, read over it because we're familiar with it, but Paul makes a few statements that I want to highlight to us. And I believe that these things that he says, that if we can get a hold of them, they will move us to knowing the Lord in a deeper way. And knowing him enables us to live in this place of joy rather than worry. And I think it has to do with how do we know him? How do we, how do we know the Lord? And so Paul says the first thing is, the Lord is near. Knowing the Lord is near. This will change you. This will, this will change the way you think, change the way you approach even the things that you are worried about or concerned about. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about things or, or plan around things or it's, it's right to, to, to be uh, mindful and, and, and look at potential danger and, and try to mitigate as much harm. And it's, it's nothing wrong with being concerned, but when it turns to worry, it's like this word uh, in the scripture, it means like a, a division of, of our mind, that our mind is breaking apart or, or, or it's, it's, it's a division of, of how we think about something. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be worried. And I want you to know this, that the Lord is near. He says, the Lord is near. When I was preparing for the message this week, this phrase, as I first, I did my first read through of this passage, because I knew I was preaching on this passage. And as I read it, it's just like you, you know, it's a familiar passage. But when I got to this one line here, this one sentence, the Lord is near. It was like the scripture jumped out from the page. Have you ever been reading the Bible and, and something, it just kind of jumps out at you. And I believe it's because God wants to remind you and he wants to remind me this morning that in our anxiety and in our worry and, and some of the things that we allow just to race around in our spirit, in our mind, that even in the middle of that place, he is saying, I am near. And when we understand and when we get a revelation, a fresh revelation that God is near, even in the middle of our trials and our challenges that we can replace worry for joy because he is present. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say, I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. And one of the things I've been doing over this last year, and maybe some of you are doing it as well, is going for walks around my neighborhood. I think when everything locked down last year, I kind of got into this habit. I thought every day, you know, I was working from home and I was just sitting at my chair and so I thought, well, I got to exercise. So I got to get out and I started walking and walking all around the paths, you know, near our house. And I, I like going out on my own. It's been a time for me of solitude, a time to pray and think. And I like to get my heart rate up and get a good pace. But a few months ago, we ended up getting a puppy. I guess I mentioned this to you earlier, but I guess he was our pandemic puppy. We, 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 we went for it. And so uh, and he's a great little guy, but we're still teaching him how to walk. And so a lot of my walks now, I'll just take the dog with me. I'll just say, okay, I'm going to teach him how to walk. But he slows my pace down. You know what I'm saying? If you've ever trained a puppy to walk, you always got to have the treats and you got to get him alongside of you. And, and he's sniffing here and he's sniffing there. So I'm like, I want to get my heart rate up. And I just said, I'm going to go for a walk by myself. And as I was on a walk by myself just this past week or so, 
I was out one day and just walking and I was thinking to myself, good, I'm getting a good pace and I'm, I'm thankful just to be by myself. And I just kind of, I'm by myself. It's good just to be by, and I love my family and sometimes I'll walk with my family, but you know what I'm saying? Like, especially those of you who are a little bit kind of the extrovert introvert, that might be kind of me. I might be a little more introverted than extroverted. I just like my time. I like my time so I can think and pray and whatever. And so I'm walking. It's just good to be alone. And as I thought about being alone, I began to deeply think about that, being by myself. And as I began to think about that, it occurred to me that even though I was by myself, I wasn't alone. I sensed the presence of God. In that moment, I just slowed down and it just felt like the Lord just began to minister to me and just reminding me with his presence. And I don't know if it was an angelic presence or the presence of the Holy Spirit, but I literally felt, it was almost like I felt like a hand upon my, my back. And even as I was walking, I just felt like, not, and I didn't physically feel it, but it was the impression of just the Lord was with me. And I just felt him with me. I felt him with me. And it occurred to me that although I have walked through times of life where I have felt lonely, with Jesus, I've never truly felt alone. And there may be people that are watching online today or people in the room, and you have not yet surrendered your life to Christ. Can I encourage you that with Jesus, you are never alone? It's beautiful. It's not something to worry about or be scared about. It's, it's wonderful. It's a loving Father who is with us. And Jesus promised us that as his followers, that he would always be with us. He would never leave us. The source of true joy is the continual presence of Jesus. That's the source of true joy. People look for joy here, there, and they may be happy, and there may be some fun things that we can do, but at the end of the day, how do we replace worry with joy? We, we were reminded, like Paul says, the Lord is near. And some people say, well, it's talking about the second coming of Christ, and I believe that's applicable, but other Scholars and other commentaries talk about how it really is about the presence of Jesus being close. And I bet you Paul felt that in that prison cell. I bet that there were times where he would maybe be tempted himself to get into worry and wondering, but he would sense and he would feel the presence of the Lord. As a Christian, you can never really lose your joy. Why? Because you can never lose Christ. Wow. As a Christian, you can never lose your joy because you can never lose Jesus. I believe that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you trust him, you become a child of God. He becomes your father. You become part of the family of God. And you know what's beautiful about church is that we are brothers and sisters together that we also have each other in Christ. What a beautiful thing. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's close. The psalmist said that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It's a reminder that he is close to us, even during the hardest times. The apostle Paul, he talked about in 2 Timothy 4, 17, he says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. See, Paul knew that the Lord even stood with him. He was there in the middle of whatever he was going through, the challenges I want to encourage you and remind you that some moments that you find this week where you are by yourself, remind yourself, even if you feel lonely, you are not alone. The Lord is near. He is with you and you don't have to worry because he's got you. He is near. And there are times in my life 
that I have felt distance. I have felt like, God, where are you? I was sharing in the first service that even around the events of just over a year ago when my dad passed away, I was by his side for the last number of days in the hospital and then to the hospice. And there were times that I did feel the nearness of, I just felt the peace and the presence of God. But there were also times I felt, God, where are you? And I felt distance. And I wonder if you felt that. Where is God? Where are you? You know, I want to remind us that when we feel that we are distant, it is not that God himself is distant. Because the book of James in the New Testament tells us that if we will draw near to God, what's the promise? He will draw near to you. And in those times where you feel that the Lord is distant, I would just encourage you, friend, find yourself in a place of solitude. Find yourself in a place of drawing near to him. And maybe it's as simple as reminding yourself that you don't have to carry these worries, but God, I give these to you and I thank you that I can trust that you are near. It's knowing. It's knowing. How do we replace worry for joy? It's knowing. It's knowing that he's with us. And I think Paul knew this and he's reminding these early believers. The second thing is to know, know the Lord through prayer. We replace worry in our lives as we know the Lord through prayer. This is how you really get to know Jesus. And prayer is more than just my conversation, my, my requests, although that's part of it. We'll see that in a moment. But I found prayer is, is more bite-sized. Like, and I think any kind of prayer, God honors prayer. And, and I think we can go off and we can say, God, here's my list. Or we can read a prayer. I would encourage you to experiment with all kinds of ways to pray. And I want to just free you up here because there's no necessarily right or wrong way to pray in a sense where it's just your heart before God. Some people read prayers and other people have long extended prayers. Or maybe when you pray, you say, God, here's all the things. And there's a place for that. But I would encourage you to pray in bite-sized pieces where you just maybe ask the Lord a question. Or you just think about one thing and give time for God to speak to you. To know the Lord through prayer. And Paul knew the Lord through prayer. And he was encouraging this early church, know the Lord through prayer. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. And that's a command in the original language. He's not saying, well, I, I, you know, probably not good for you to be anxious. He's saying, do not be anxious. It's a command in scripture. Do not worry. Jesus said that. Do not worry. Stop worrying. And the original language is really stop worrying about even one thing. In other words, there's not even one thing that's worth you putting your time or your energy into in worry. But, and here's the contrast, the solution is in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so he uses some words here. The first word he uses is to pray. The word prayer here is a general word for prayer. And it really means, it's often translated as worship or adoration. And so I would encourage us as we approach God in prayer to start with worship and with adoration. You see, worship and worry cannot occupy the same space. Have you found that to be true? Whether that's in your own private times with the Lord 
or maybe that's here in church. I felt it this morning in the 930 service. I felt it again in this 1130 service this morning where I felt the presence of God. And as I worshiped him, as I turned my mind and my affection and my thoughts on Jesus and who he is, and God, you are a, a way maker, miracle worker. God, that is who you are. And as I begin to worship and as I begin to pray and worship in those moments, my worries just begin to nosedive. So when the curve is going up, friends... <laughs> And you want to see that curve bent, and you want to see it start time. There's no vaccine that can take away your worry. It's only worship. It's worship that is going to flatten and nail that curve right down to the ground in Jesus' name. And so we're going to worship because there is no, no place for worry in the atmosphere of worship. Petition, he uses this word. This word is, is really about begging. It's like, don't quit. Just keep on going. Saying God. And it, it is almost like this idea of just continuing. Jesus taught on prayer too. Ask, seek, and knock. He, he's told the parable of the guy that woke the other guy up in the middle of the night. And he's like, he just kept knocking on his door. He goes, I got people coming. I need to give them some food. And, it's, and Jesus commended, commended that person in that story. Saying, that's, that's how I want you to pray. I want you to be persistent in your prayer. And so petition and supplication is another word. And then he uses the word thanksgiving. And this means that we approach prayer with thankfulness. And as we learn to know the Lord in prayer, as we replace worry with joy, we're learning how to pray. We're growing in prayer. And in this, this idea is that thanksgiving surrounds prayer. It's before, if thinking about the past, how God has been so good, and we think back to our salvation and the fact that Jesus died for us and that we're going to heaven. I mean, that's something to be thankful for, that your sins are forgiven. If you, if you don't have anything else to thank God for, thank him for the fact that he died on the cross for you. And that means that you have eternal life through Jesus as you put your faith in him. Wow, that's, that's enough to be thankful for right there, even if God didn't do anything else for me. But he's such a good father. He's done so much. He's blessed me with friends and he's blessed me in this time. And you think back, and you say, God, I'm, I thank you, your faithfulness. And I look back and how you have been faithful to me. And in that atmosphere of thanksgiving, you're reminded then again today that even in this time, even in this trial, I can be thankful because I've seen the goodness of God. Even in the land of the living, I'm believing. I am confident that I will see the goodness of God in this situation, in what is happening right now, and what is going on, even though it's hard, even though I can't see it. Right now, I trust you, God. Right now, I trust you. And it's having that heart of thankfulness for the future. And this is where it moves worry out of the way when we begin to thank God and we begin to declare and we say great days are ahead, that the best days for the church in Canada are ahead. And I don't just say that because it's something that encourages me. I say that because I deeply know our God. I deeply know who he is. I deeply know what's in his heart. I have read the Bible and I believe that the best wine was saved for the end of the wedding, which means the best is yet to come. I believe that there is so much more for your future, for your life. There is so much more that you need to change your thinking, that God wants to help you change your thinking and change your heart and change your focus and get thankful and thankful for what he's done and thankful even now because God, I know that I can thank you for what you have coming ahead for me, that I know that there are bright days ahead, that there are good days ahead, that there are things ahead for me, that every situation that is happening to me right now is only temporary. 
Because I serve a God who is a good father. He's a God who provides. And he's a God of more than enough. And things are going to change. And the good news is that every problem that we're going through right now, guess what? It's temporary. This too shall pass. And that's why we can approach God with thanksgiving. Think about that. All the stuff that I was worried about. 12 months ago, guess what? There's barely anything that I'm worried about now that I was worried about 12 months ago. Just a few things like COVID, but but that's okay. It's going to go away. Some of the things you think about three years ago, five years ago, all the things, even last week, some of the things that you were worried about, guess what? So when we approach prayer with thankfulness, we remind ourselves that God is at work even in the now. And he's got our future in his hands. You know, Jesus healed those 10 lepers and it was only the one that came back to say thanks. May we first assembly be a church that is so full of thankfulness that no matter what happens, whatever Jesus does past, present and in future, that we are the one like the one that came back. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? I don't want to be the other nine. I want to be that church. I want to be that person. I want to be that individual that always is saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for my life. Thank you for this season. Thank you. Although it's hard. Thank you that you're going to get me out of this. Thank you that you're going to come through like you've always come through, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And with a spirit of thankfulness, we can replace worry for joy, for the joy of the Lord. Remember that song, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord? We need to bring it back, probably. (laughs) Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And then he says to bring your requests, and these are are the specifics. I'm very thankful that God's not intimidated by our specifics. And he hears us. And here's the promise then, that the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that word guard is like, it really is a picture of a, it's a militaristic word in the original language. And it really means to guard, like a, like a citadel. Like it's, it's like a surrounding, it's a guarding of our minds and our hearts. And Jesus then, he says, the promise then is peace. He, he gives us peace and the peace of God. And when we're first Saved, when we first come to Jesus, we make peace with God. And that's our salvation. But then the peace of God is the peace that he gives us. It's his peace that he gives us. Jesus and my peace I give to you. It's the gift of peace. And it's part of walking with Jesus that we're at peace with him. But now he also gives us a measure of his peace. I'm very thankful that Jesus is the giver of peace. And it's a gift of peace. And so if you lack peace, he will give you his peace. But it gets better than that. Everybody say, it gets better. Because not only does Jesus give you his peace, Jesus is our peace. He is the God of peace. And in verse 9 it says that he is the God of peace. And he will be with you. The God of peace himself. And so we don't just feel a little, I'm a Christian, I just feel a little peace. No, I have peace. I experience his peace. It's the gift of peace that I walk in. And the peace of God himself, Jesus himself is with me. And this is why I can replace worry for joy. Because of the promise of his peace over my life. And finally, we replace worry with joy by 
thinking and living right. But by knowing that we need to get a hold of our thinking and align it with what God has said about us, not what the world says about us. We follow Christ and not the culture. And so we allow our minds to be renewed, like Paul says in Romans, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is our reasonable act of service, that we would be then transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, as you are a Jesus follower, you are called to think differently. And as you know God, not just feeling God in church or feeling or sensing or experiencing his peace, but when you know God mentally with your mind, with your thinking, this will change the things that you used to worry about and those things that used to grip you and you used to worry about, those things will change. And you will begin to to see your mind renewed. And as the Holy Spirit works in you, he will renew your mind. Because Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. This word excellent is arete, which is excellent in every single way imaginable. It is the height of perfection, excellence. Anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, think about God. Think about your highest thought and then keep going higher. And that's what you think about. That's who he is. Think about who he is, what he's created, what he's done. It is Saying to our mind and to our heart and to our spirit, I want to know you, Jesus, not just with my emotions, but with my mind, with my intellect. I want to know you rationally. And this is why I believe it is so important for us as followers of Jesus to learn and and to read and to study and study scripture and study history and some of the great church uh, movements of the past and revival and also to learn about culture and medicine and politics and art and entertainment and, and to learn and to be like the Daniels in Babylon who are infiltrating culture, who are in the world and not of the world. And Daniel and his friends being So many times better, 10 times better than anybody else in their school of thought because they had an excellent spirit, because they had something different in them. And this is what Paul is getting to. He is saying, finally, it is about your mind. It is about knowing Christ with your mind, whatever is noble, whatever is right. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And as we allow the work of the spirit, and we invite the work of the spirit to renew our minds, worry has to move out of the way. Because we're reminded of the truth of God in every circumstance. And then he says, whatever you've learned and received or heard from me. In other words, look at my example. Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, if you've seen this in me, that it's not just enough to know about it, but put it into practice. You got to live right. Knowing Christ is not just knowing about him, but it is living out living out what he has called you to live out as you follow him. And then Paul's promise, as I already mentioned it, he says, and then the God of peace will be with you. What a promise. Then you will have the God of peace with you. Friends, we're going to respond this morning with worship. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. We're going to just in a few moments sing this song that we sang earlier 
It's called trust. And we sang it last Sunday for the first time. And we sang it again this morning. And what a beautiful song that is. And that song was written by our very own Raphael Benicio right here. And in the first service, I felt a kind of a prophetic word over him. And so I just declared over him that word that I believe that this song is going to travel in the sense that it's going to touch tens of thousands of, of lives. Uh, I believe it will get into even obscure places and impact people for the gospel. And so it was really neat if you're in the first service. So I wanted to share that with you because it was a prophetic moment. But, but more than that, this morning, this song is a, a prayer. I believe that I believe this song and this, this song is timely. This song is timely. This, this is part of what God is calling us to right now, First Assembly, just to lean into him and trust him, not to worry, but to replace our worry with the joy of the Lord, with trusting him, with knowing him. And it reminds me just as we, before we sing this, I just want to just share this because I was reminded as I was concluding this message and as I was studying this message of the story of King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament being the king of Judah in 1 Kings and uh, 2 Chronicles 20, we find the story. But everything was going really well in the land. Everything was going, ticking along pretty good. And suddenly, everything began to shift and change because of the threat that began to come against God's people. And King Jehoshaphat, who had experienced a time of relative peace and prosperity in the land, now there were armies that were assembling and coming against him, the Moabites and the Ammonites and others that were coming against King Jehoshaphat. And he was in that moment struck. And the Bible says it was fear, but it says in the NLT that he was badly shaken. There was fear and anxiety that just gripped his heart in that moment. Everything's going good. And all of a sudden you get in the news that there's armies that are assembling against you and they were way bigger and way stronger than your army and you just knew what that meant it's going to not go down well have you ever been in a situation have you ever been in a time maybe that's something that you're experiencing now where everything's been going relatively good but something has happened where it's like now things are shifted now the landscape is different and king josiah just like you and me he felt that moment where he was badly shaken fear worry anxiety. But the first thing he began to do was pray. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And pray. With, and don't worry about a thing, but pray. This is what Paul said to the church in Philippi. Don't worry about anything, but in all things, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. It was almost like he was living in a New Testament revelation where he's like, I'm worried, it's shifting, it's, the armies are coming against me, but he just shifted his heart to prayer, to seeking God. And he began to replace the worry that he was feeling with joy. And he began to focus his thoughts, not on the problem, but on God. And he began to pray. And he said, God, didn't you deliver and drive out the enemy and give this land to your friend Abraham? So as he's praying, he's saying, God, remember that covenant? Remember? He was saying, I'm so thankful for what you did in the past. I'm reminding you, Lord, of your covenant. And as we pray, we're, part of that thanksgiving is reminding God not only of what he has done for you, but who he is and what his promises are over you. And as he 
reminds himself and he reminds the Lord and he reminds the people. Then he cries out in a desperate place. And this is almost like the prayer of petition where he's just crying out, where he's just saying, God, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Maybe that could be your prayer today. Maybe that could be your prayer this week. You're so full of, of the, the anxiety and the fear that has been pushing up against you that maybe you could just say, God, I'm just going to turn my heart to you because as I do, I cry out in an honest place saying, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And instead of worrying, then what he did, he sent out the worshipers. <laughs> do you remember? Worry and worship cannot coexist. He sent out the worshipers, and as they began to worship, then God sent an ambush, and the enemy, they all ended up fighting against themselves, and there was a great victory in the land that day because he knew that God was near. When trouble was near, he also knew that God was near. And this is what Paul is saying. The Lord is near. You say, well, there's trouble near. There's a pandemic near. There's the economy's falling apart. All these things are near. Yep. But the Lord is near. And when the Lord is near, it gives us holy confidence to drive that worry out of our mind and out of our thinking. And then he set his heart to prayer. And then he set his mind on the solution. He set his mind. He said, I'm going to align my mind and my thinking. I want to know God now in my thinking. And I'm going to get my thinking straight. And as he did, what began as worry moved to worship and victory. And I believe that in your life today, that there may be some things that you've been carrying and there may be some things today and the Lord is just calling you. He's saying, I am near. You're not alone. You may feel lonely, but you're never by yourself. And you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. And you can cast those anxieties and those cares upon me. And God is going to carry you through. He's going to carry us through this season. He's going to carry you through whatever you're facing. And so no longer letting that mind race of worry and anxiety and fear. And I, listen, I believe there's a place for help and counseling and all kinds of practical ways that we can help people that are, are locked into anxiety and fear. But I still believe in the old-fashioned power of the Holy Spirit to help and heal and the power of God's Word to transform. I still believe in that. And I believe that in our lives today, if there's been fear and anxiety and worry, that God will set you free, even as we worship. If you're watching online today or you're in the room and you've not yet made a decision, a conscious decision to surrender your life to Christ, even in this moment, you can know and have peace with God by confessing before the Lord, God, I need you. I ask you to forgive me, make me new and cleanse me. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to, I want to know you. If that's your heart's cry, God has heard that prayer, and we would love to help you. And if you're watching online, there is a video following this video that's going to help you take those next steps. And if you're in the room, we would love to pray with you today as well. And as we worship together, that you could come and speak to a leader, whether it be just at the front desk or wherever, online at Next Steps. We'd love to help you, get you a Bible, and help you on your journey. But friends, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to worship as a response today. We're going to sing this song, Trust, because I believe it's the song for the, for the day. I believe it's, it's what God is saying to us now. So I would invite you to stand, and as we, as we sing and as we worship, we are going to proclaim that we trust God, that we're going to turn our worry into worship.
We're going to replace worry with the joy of the Lord, with the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I would invite you even now just to raise your hands. And if you've been carrying a burden or carrying something heavy or carrying some anxiety, would you lift it up to God and just say, God, like Jehoshaphat, Lord, I I may be just so freaked out in this moment, but I know that I serve you and I know that you can carry me in this situation. I know that you're going to see me through. And Lord, today I choose, I choose to know you to know your presence, to know you in prayer, and to know you with my mind and with my heart. So come, Jesus, and carry this heavy burden that you've asked me to cast upon you because you care for me. Come on, let's lift up our worship today, and let's sing together, and let's make this our prayer. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.